What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Ya Dig. I'm your host, Tristan. I got some interesting stuff to talk to you guys about today. Uh, so, but first, you know what? <clears throat> I want to know how you guys' week has been since the last time I heard from y'all last Wednesday, 8 to 9, when the show was on last. How's, everybody week's, how's everybody's week been, you know? Pretty good. Good to hear. Great to hear it, guys. Well, my week's been pretty good, too. I gotta be honest, though. It's it's cold. Winter is, if not coming, it's here. Because, I mean, wow. I, you know, I was talking about Christmas and stuff last week because it was so cold, and it has not gotten any warmer. It's been a straight week of sub-freezing temps. It, it never got to zero degrees Fahrenheit. But it got to, like, 9 or 10 one night. And that night, the feels-like scale hit zero. Maybe a little below. So that's, like, with wind chill. Like, it feels extra cold. But, yeah, so that's crazy. So, you know, the college nightlife is dulled, dulling a little bit uh, as a result of the freezing temperatures. We got some snow last week which sparked the snow conversation, and it has stayed. It is, I mean, a lot of it melted during the day when it was getting a little above freezing. Um, but we still have a decent amount of it. decent amount of that snow is sticking, and it snowed a little bit earlier today, actually, so we have a fresh dusting on the ground, preventing me from longboarding here. Uh, when I say here, I mean the Wings Technology Center on the campus of University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. It is the opposite side of campus from where I live. So, it is a bit of a walk in the cold if you don't have another method of transportation. Um, and I don't, given the snow. Um, yeah, but I mean longboards, guys. I don't know if I've plugged them before. If you disregard snow... They're the best. Just let out. They're the best. Riding a longboard is so much fun. And not only fun, it's efficient. It's like when I'm going like a comfortable but quick pace on a longboard, it's probably, I'm not going to say it's as fast as like a sprint, but it's probably like a solid run, you know, like running pretty quick. Not a full out sprint, but definitely faster than a jog. So I basically just run everywhere. And that's if I'm taking my time. You know, if I really kick hard, it's about, yeah, it's a sprint, basically. So sprinting everywhere, except you don't have to expend nearly that much energy. Um, I'm sorry if I sound a little weird tonight. My nose is a little bit, it's like half clogged, half running, you know, one of those. I got some tissues here. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to dab at it. Um, anyways, all right, so... Last week we talked about snow and winter and stuff. Nobody called to tell me about their favorite winter drinks. That's okay. If you want to call this time and talk about that, you can. Um, I'm just going to give the number right now. <clears throat> like I said, feel free to call. It can be about literally anything. Taking callers is a fun thing to do for me and uh, ideally for you. Um, and it is just... I don't know. I mean, what's the point of it if... What's the point of this show, if not for entertainment, you know, a little bit of fun. So let's mix it up and get some callers when we can. I might have some more specific questions to uh, to guide your calling-ins uh, later. 
but I'm just going to read the number off now to get it out there. 608-785-8080. That's 608-785-8080. Dope. Okay, we got that out of the way. Um, so here is what we're going to talk about today. Last time I got into some crazy um, survival stories. You know, one about a soldier and then a bunch about just people falling out of airplanes without parachutes or with malfunctioning parachutes uh, who actually ended up surviving, which is completely crazy, seemingly impossible, but not impossible because people have done it from what the tallest one was like 40,000 feet or so. One second, if you'll excuse me, I gotta take off this jacket. Like I said, it's cold outside, but it's very warm in the Wings Technology Center as a result, probably, of all of the technology heating it up in here. Um, one second. Uh, there we go. Uh, that's much better. Much better. All right. Cool. Um, let's get to it then. So today I have a bunch of, like, crazy war stories. Um, some about survival, some about just war, and some about some crazy animals in war. So let's get down to it. So here's some more stories. First, I'm going to start with the fluffies, start with the animal. So we're going to talk about Private Wojcik, also known as He Who Loves War, Smiling Warrior, and simply just the bear. Now, Private Wojcik was enlisted in the <laughs> in the Polish Armed Forces of the West as a private um, in the Artillery Supply Company, the 22nd. So the 22nd Artillery Supply Company of the Polish Armed Forces in the West. Private Wojcik is indeed a bear. He was a big boy bear too at his uh at his fullest at his fullest uh girth he was over 500 pounds um but he could still clock in at faster than a small horse or at least most small horses his uh clocked in running time or running speed was 34 miles per hour at one point he was a 34 mile per hour big hunk of 500 pound polish bear beefcake Okay, he was actually enlisted as a private and he earned private level pay in real currency, real Polish currency. They didn't pay him in meat or uh, berries nor picnic baskets. They paid him in Polish currency, the bear. Uh, private Wojcik, the bear, trained with, slept with, ate with, and drank liquor with all of the Polish soldiers in the 22nd Artillery Supply Company. Um, he was first taken up as a young one when they were in Palestine, um, and then he traveled f with them from Palestine all the way to some other place that was really far away, at which point they needed to uh, redeploy in Italy, so they had to get on a ship. And at that point... Private Wojcik chose not to be unemployed, um, and he actually chose to continue fighting for the Polish army. Um, he was almost fully grown at this point, 
and that is when he received his title as private. Um, so he then continued to fight with them, and on multiple occasions was reported charging into combat um, as a, a sort of convenient distraction so that um, the artillery supply company could supply the artillery to another company. Um, the, the bear would charge in and, and maul Nazis. Multiple occasions um, saw him and recorded him Mr. Private Wojcik the Bear uh, charging in and completely dismembering multiple Nazi soldiers. Um, Wojcik took a couple bullets. I don't believe he was given a Purple Heart, unfortunately, but he did not die in war. He lived to the ripe old age of something. Don't have that info, but I know that he was not killed in combat. He made it out of the war, and he served with his bear people ideally for many years afterwards. Hopefully, for the sake of Private Wojcik the Bear. He who enjoys war. He who loves war. Alright, so here's another one. This one's crazy. This one is straight out of Star Wars. Perhaps the inspiration for Star Wars A New Hope. Um, it is... One second. <coughs> oh, yeah, okay. Alright. We're talking about the USS Bismarck. I actually don't know that it was called USS because I think that might be kind of a, I don't know, is the United States thing? USS, United States ship? I don't know. Um, it was just called the Bismarck, if not the USS. Um, it was deemed a floating fortress. Uh, built by Germany, it was nearly 900 feet long and 200 feet wide. This thing was massive. It weighed, I think, 80,000 metric tons, and it had eight 15-inch guns. Now, that might sound small, but 15-inch heavy artillery guns on this boat means the shells that were fired out of these guns were 15 inches in diameter. So that's over a foot. If you know, you hold your hands out here, a little over a foot. That's how wide... Like, that's the diameter of these circular artillery bolts that were fired out of these, out of these guns, these 15-inch guns. Th this ship had eight of them. I mean, wow, am I right? Eight of the. I mean, that's a lot of guns. That's a lot of damage. If you catch my drift, you dig? Um, anyways, it, uh, it also had 60 other heavy artillery guns um, that were just smaller. Heavy artillery still, but smaller. You know, they, they didn't shoot those massive 15-inch uh, girthy boys. Um, unfortunate. I mean, I guess fortunately, because it was a German boat. And I don't think the Germans were ever really on, like, the the side of good and all that is right with the world. Um, anyway, so it was recorded to have uh, destroyed the pride, really, at the time of the Royal Navy, which was a ship called the HMS Hood, which was also massive, just under 700 feet long, um, or wait, no, sorry, just under 500 feet long, only about 50-some feet wide. Um, it was destroyed in one shot by one of those 15-inch artillery guns. Um, I guess it hit some fuel or something because it was a massive explosion, um, and it was noted as one of the largest, I think it might have been the second largest 
non-nuclear explosion of World War II was how big the destruction of the HMS Hood, the pride and joy of the Royal Navy ship, was. Um, okay, so talking about this, this boat, the Bismarck, it only had one weak spot, right? There's one little weak spot, which was the rudder, which was just below the exhaust release, um, so actually underwater, um, you know, in the back of the boat, uh, very small target, given the size of the thing. Now, given the amount of gunpower, you know, that this thing could put out, it, 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 was, it was a suicide mission to try to get anywhere near it, um, which is exactly why the incredibly bla brave uh, Lieutenant Commander John Moffat um, went in there. I don't remember how I started that sentence. Anyways, this dude, Lieutenant Commander John Moffat, led an attack on the ship in the dead of night with only a handful of uh, friendly bip biplane bombers. Um, they had small bombs. I don't believe they were um, like torpedo bombs. I think they were just standard. I don't, I'm not great at weapon terminology. Um, but I do know that torpedo bombs are a thing. Uh, they weren't those, however. Um, so they were, you know, as far as accuracy goes, somewhat difficult to be very accurate with, especially at nighttime, um, dropping them from biplanes which were generally pretty, um, you know, not super sturdy, uh, and also very fast. Um, anyways, uh, this guy himself, flying his own plane, managed to get a bomb directly onto the rudder, uh, rendering the Bismarck, the massive tank of a ship, the floating fortress, uh, completely immobile. It was rendered completely immobile after the rudder was destroyed by this Luke Skywalker-looking dude. Um, and at that point, the Royal Navy came in with a bunch of different ships firing from all sides uh, without maneuverability. The Bismarck was destroyed. Uh, yay, Allies. I believe that was World War II. It might have been World War I. Um, I guess biplanes. could have maybe been World War I. I'm going to guess it was two, but oh well. Anyways, um, yeah, so those are two kind of crazy stories, you know, Death Star type stuff. Um, let's get into a couple specific people who did some crazy things. So some of you guys might have heard of this following guy. His name is Jack Churchill. Um, all right, this was 100% World War II. This guy is a British Army officer who didn't use a rifle any kind of gun, um, and he didn't use any kind of tanks or anything um, in his squadron either. He used his basket-hilted Scottish broadsword. Uh, he was known as a commando uh, for charging into battle with his Scottish broadsword, playing the bagpipes and throwing hand grenades. Um, so <laughs> this is a Scottish madman, you guys. He'd go in with a sword, a blazon nades getting chucked all the while ripping it on the bagpipes like the OG Bon Scott um, this guy's a legend let's see what else we have about him here um, even after being captured and spending time a couple months at the Sachsenhausen concentration camp um, which he escaped he continued his military escapades. 
Um, he ended up moving to a British-occupied Palestine um, and there coordinated rescue efforts for um, citizens there who were under attack for being Jewish because uh, this is World War II and that's what was happening. So, he is a badass Scotsman. All right, next up is Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Urban, who is basically just known for not dying. He was called the Ghost. Um, he earned seven Purple Hearts, finding himself on multiple occasions critically injured, um, but never willing to leave the battlefield or his men. Um, time and time again, he was... Um, leaving hospitals without permission. Um, and once he left a hospital without permission, after being critically injured days before, hitchhiked back to France and rejoined his regiment to finish the fight on the front lines, cementing the nickname I mentioned before, the Ghost. Um, he repeatedly took shrapnel and bullets uh, to just about every part of his body, once even being shot square in the neck, but time and time again, he survived and came out the other side as an American hero, everybody. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Urban, we thank you for your service. All of these people that I'm going to talk about and have talked about, we thank you for your service. Whether you're alive to hear this or not, whether you are listening to UW Lacrosse's locally broadcasted and or internet stream radio show at 8 21 on a Wednesday on November uh, 13th 2019 um, okay next up uh, we have Major Richard Bong he was also frequently called Dick Bong um, was <laughs> was luckily he was lucky to have a few nicknames. I'd imagine with a name like Dick Bong. Um, however, one of them was the deadliest American pilot in World War II. So Dick Bong blew some smoke, to say the least. Uh, he was known as the Ace of Aces, uh, earned after taking down his 40th enemy plane in late 1944. He actually went on to take down another 20-plus. That is 60-plus enemy planes in one war. Uh, Bong was awarded the Medal of Honor and he was chosen to test a P-80 for the Army Air Force's uh, first jet experiments. Um, but unfortunately, on the same day that the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima, the P-80 during test stalled. Bong was forced to bail. He was at a low altitude and he was killed. Aside from his war heroism, he is most known for his aerial antics, namely being reported to have been flying loops around the Golden Gate Bridge and buzzing neighborhoods so low that the force of the wind blew clothes off of clotheslines. What a prankster, Dick Bong. What a real delinquent. That kind of sucks. I mean, that really sucks, though. Beautiful dude, beautiful name did incredible things in the air, and then he was killed in an experiment for the U.S. government. Oof. Big L. All right. Next up, 
a woman named Victoria Hall, also known as the most dangerous of all Allied spies. Um, she was referred to that. She was referred to as that by the Gestapo. Uh, it was oh, where am I? Here? It was of the most utmost importance to find the woman with a limp. Um, this is from the Gestapo's perspective here. They, throughout World War II, she was known as an extremely dangerous Allied spy, um, and everybody with knowledge of her antics um, would greatly fear the woman with a limp um, because Victoria Hall actually had a prosthetic leg. Um, she was the first female operative of, British, of Britain's Special Operations Executive to be sent into France, where she worked as an Allied spy against the Nazis during occupation. She acted as a spy there for three years until she was forced to escape on foot through the Pyrenees Mountains with a prosthetic leg. Uh, she made it back and then requested to be sent back into occupied France as a wireless radio operator reporting the movements of German troops until the end of the war, and she then joined the CIA in 1951, which marks where all of the records of her disappear. So, uh, pretty badass, though. Pretty crazy stuff that Victoria Hall did. Um, yeah, I mean, wow. I can't imagine crossing mountains with, you know, littered with Nazis <clears throat> with a prosthetic leg. Not to mention everybody is looking for you because they know you have a prosthetic leg and if you have a limp, you're going to be, like, shot on sight because everybody's afraid of this crazy spy. That's ballsy. Um, okay, yeah, here we go. This guy, my personal favorite, Mr. Hiro... Onoda, Hiru Onoda, was a Japanese soldier stationed in the jungles of the Philippines who, for 30 years after World War II ended, continued fighting. Isolated and fiercely loyal, Onoda regarded any news of the war's end as enemy propaganda, told time and time again by tourists locals, and even voices in his head that the war was over, he refused to believe it. That is until 1974, when, I guess, a lucky traveler encountered him who said that he'd only believe... Who said... Uh, okay. I think I typed this up a little bit wrong. Anyways, um... He finally meets this one traveler who is a little bit special because to this guy, he says that he'd only believe that Japan had surrendered if he heard it from a superior officer. Authorities tracked down an officer and had him officially relieve Onoda from duty. He was eventually pardoned for the crimes that he committed while he believed that the world was still at war, which included setting fire to a small village, blowing up multiple small cabins in the area, uh, or huts, I should say, um, as well as killing up to 15 different locals um, locals and tourists uh, throughout those 30 years after World War II. Um, what a guy. 
get pardoned for it. I mean, hey, it's just patriotism, man. He's fighting for his country. I think he deserves it. Um, yeah, so that's what I have. That's always all that I was able to come up with. Uh, somewhat spare the moment as far as people that did some crazy stuff during wartime um, and other, you know, crazy war stories. If you guys like it, cool. If you have any war stories, call right now, please, and tell me them because that's dope. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll do some war stories here and there. Maybe I'll do a war story per week. Some kind of debate per week. I don't know. More consistency in the shows, maybe. Or maybe just keep it totally random because that's cool, too. You dig? Um, anyways, I'm going to talk about some movie releases now. I haven't talked about um, some of the stuff coming up in the area for a while. So we'll go over some movies that are coming out soon, um, some some live music, some popular concerts that are... Oh, whoa, we have a caller. Let's see who this is. All right, you are on the air. This is your dig. Who do I have? Hey, this is uh, Tracy calling from Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. All right, cool. How's it going, Tracy? Hey, it's going good. Uh, the reason I was calling is I, I uh, appreciate your... Uh, your veteran salute, and uh, I, I was just going to say that your very first story about the Bismarck, there's actually a song called uh, The Bismarck by Johnny Horton. It's an old song that basically, you know, tells the whole story of it. I don't know if you knew that or not, but... Wow, um, I did not know that, but that is very interesting. I'll have to... I'll, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll play the song. It's a real popular song, and uh, kind of tells the whole story, and then the... Uh, the story um, about the pilot uh, was it uh, Richard Richard Bong was it? Oh yeah, Dick Bong. Yep. Yeah, there is a up in uh, Superior. There's a whole museum that has uh, the. They give you a whole briefing on his whole story, and they have a replica of his plane in Whoa. the museum. Wow. And uh, there's a little more to the story. I guess um, he actually had. His, um, I think I believe he got married, and it was his wife he, that he had on the tail of his plane, like a big painting. Yeah, and it was it, it was named after her. The plane was, and they actually wanted him to stop flying because he was becoming a target because everybody knew that uh, this plane. If they saw this plane, I can't remember the name now of the uh, the his wife, but. Whenever they saw that plane, they knew that, you know, they were in trouble because this is a really good pilot, and they were all trying to take him out. So right. they wanted him to retire. And then, like you said, it was a it was a freak accident where he actually um, ended up, you know, dying in a, in a test instead of, <laughs> yeah. instead of doing, you know, instead of in combat. So it was crazy. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to mention the Bismarck and that they have that museum up there in Superior that actually has a replica of this plane up there and everything is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea that that was a thing or that there was a song about the Bismarck. So thank you so much for, for enlightening me and all of the other listeners out there. All right, thanks, bye. Yeah, thank you for calling. All right, cool. Well, there is a song called the Bismarck. I'm going to look this up super quick because I might just play it here. I have time. Um, by Johnny Horton. Um, and also, 
a dick bong exhibit or a whole museum a dick bong museum up in superior very cool all right i'm searching the song up super quick um bismarck sync the bismarck yeah 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 there it is okay wait one second one second I haven't played music very often on here, so hopefully, oops, hopefully this works. Um, let's test this. In May of 1941, the war had just begun. The Germans had the biggest ship that had the biggest guns. The Bismarck was the fastest ship that ever sailed the sea. On her decks were guns as big as steers and shells as big as trees. Out of the cold and foggy night came the British ship, the Hood. And every British seaman he knew and understood. They had to sink the Bismarck, the terror of the sea. Stop those guns as big as steers and those shells as big as trees. Find that German battleship that's making such a fuss We gotta sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us He hit the decks are running boys and spin those guns around But when we find the Bismarck we gotta cut her down The Hood found the Bismarck and on that fatal day The Bismarck started firing 15 miles away we gotta sink the Bismarck, was the battle sound. But when the smoke had cleared away, the mighty hood went down. For six long days and weary nights, they tried to find her trail. Churchill told the people, put every ship a sail. Cause somewhere on that ocean, I know she's gotta be. We gotta sink the Bismarck to the bottom of the sea. They find that German battleship that's making such a fuss. We gotta sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. Hit the decks are running boys and spin those guns around. When we find the Bismarck, we gotta cut her down. The fog was gone the seventh day and they saw the morning sun. Ten hours away from homeland, the Bismarck made its run. The admiral of the British fleet said, turn those bows around. We found that German battleship and we're gonna cut her down. The British guns were aimed and the shells were coming fast. The first shell hit the Bismarck, they knew she couldn't last. That mighty German battleship is just a memory. Sink the Bismarck was the battle cry that shook the seven seas. We found that German battleship was making such a fuss. We had to sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. We hit the deck a running and we spun those guns around. Yeah, we found that mighty Bismarck and we had to cut her down. We found that German battleship for making such a fuss. We had to sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. We hit the deck a running and we spun those guns around. We found that mighty Bismarck and then we cut her down. Wow. 
That was pretty good. What year is that from? I don't know. Um, but that was pretty good. That was a, a folksy rendition of Star Wars A New Hope. Alright. Um, let's continue. What else do I have here? Oh, right. Movie releases and whatnot. Okay, so, coming up here, this month, we have Queen and Slim coming out. That is being advertised like crazy on Hulu uh, and probably normal TV. Uh, it looks pretty good. Um, it's got the guy from Get Out. Um, oh, he's in he's in other ones too. I I can't remember. I can't remember his name, and I, I can't remember other movies he's been in. But I know he's the guy from Get Out. Um, but yeah, this this uh, movie focuses on um, an African an African American couple who is um, faced with um, a case of police brutality. It looks like, uh, and in the struggle, the police officer is killed, um, and then the fallout is is um, immense with uh, a lot of people supporting uh, Queen and Slim um, and, you know, fighting for their their rights, their freedom after that incident. Um, and, of course, people opposing them, um, calling them cop killers and what have you. Um, anyways, yeah, looks pretty good. It, the, the critics have been saying it's really good. So, um, yeah, it's a, you know, go, go check it out maybe if you want to um we also have jumanji 2 the new live action jumanji films featuring the rock um it's called jumanji the next level it's coming out in december here uh in the next couple weeks sometime um speaking of all the war we've been talking about there is a new world war one movie um called 1917 that will be released in december um as well as the king's man who, uh, it's like a, a prequel to the Kingsman series, uh, the Kingsman Secret Service series. This is the explanation of the origins of the Kingsman uh, Secret Service, which also takes place in World War I, uh, featuring, I don't know, a man, I guess, in World War I, uh, who I guess becomes some sort of agent or something. But it looks pretty good. That's also coming out in, actually, that might be January. Um, but it's coming up quick. Um, we also have the new Star Wars, of course. Uh, the finale to the most recent trilogy. The, I don't know what kind of, what trilogy it's called. I think it's called the Skywalker Trilogy, but I'm not sure. Um, it's called The Rise of Skywalker. Um, that comes out December 20-something, I believe. Um, but also this coming month of December. Um, and then next year, early 2020 in January, Bad Boys 3 with Will Smith um, and the other guy whose name I can't remember right now uh, is coming out. It's called Bad Boys Forever. Um, and then in February, we have Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie, as well as Sonic the Hedgehog, the animated full-length movie featuring Sonic the Hedgehog 
in his newly redesigned um, animation. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the movie was originally going to come out a couple months ago, I believe. Almost a year ago, I think now. Might have been earlier this year. Um, but it was pulled back because everybody hated how Sonic looked in the trailers. Everybody thought that he looked stupid and that he needed a complete redesign, a complete reanimation. Um, so that's what they did. They actually took the fans' advice, and instead of letting the film flop right then and there, they they pulled it, moved the release date back, fixed up those animations, made them look better. Uh, they released a teaser of what he's going to look like a couple weeks back, and it got um, a lot of good reviews uh, all across the internet. So hopefully they did Sonic right, and he'll look cooler. Um, more true to Sonic's classic look. Uh, I still question a little bit why they're making a Sonic movie. Just like I question the Angry Birds movies. Um, but hey, that's how it goes. I guess Wreck-It Ralph was good. That was really good, actually. I'm not gonna lie. I really enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph, so I think that might have kind of sparked a bunch of video game films, you know? And then was it pixels i guess that wasn't necessarily video games was it pix i know it is yeah that's video games right because pixels yeah so there's another one i think that one was kind of crap from what i heard i never saw it um but yeah i don't know probably not great because i never heard it like acclaimed or anything um yeah so that's what we have for movies coming up i think some of the ones i talked about before were like zombie land double tap i haven't been able to see that one yet i'm really excited to though um joker it's a big one, probably a big Oscar winner. Uh, I think I, yeah, I told you guys, I told you guys a story about kids in the Joker movie theater. Uh, I think that's wrong. I do not advocate kids seeing that movie, but oh well. Um, all right, so as far as music goes, live music, uh, popular concerts and whatnot uh, in Wisconsin, there's really not all that much happening. Um, I did not recognize the names of a lot of the people coming. Um, but also some of them were like kind of far out and some of them were, uh, things that have happened already. So I, I only wrote down two of them. Um, but Logic is going to be performing at the Vets Memorial Coliseum. That's the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Madison, Wisconsin on November 16th. That's this coming Saturday. That is Logic, the hip hop artist. Um, as well as Vince Neal, also this Saturday, Saturday, November 16th, uh, Vince Neal of Motley Crue will be playing in the Wisconsin Dells. I'm not sure where in the Wisconsin Dells, but somewhere in there. Um, yep. So that's that's the big stuff coming up soon. Cage the Elephant is still going to be playing in Milwaukee uh, in December, I believe. Um, and, ooh, I thought there was, wait, did Cage already happen? I'm pretty sure it hasn't. Anyways, there's a couple other big ones, I think, in December and January that I, <coughs> that I left out of this list, uh, but oh, oh well, those are the, those are the big ones coming up this weekend, just in case you want to try to go get tickets at the door. Sorry, it's not very helpful to tell you about concerts coming up in three days, but that's how we do it here in the radio business. All right, so that's I think the news that I got for you guys. We did a bunch of stories, war stories specifically. I think what I'm going to do now is just tell you guys some crazy, like, superhuman-type feats that people have done 
to survive. Um, you guys have probably have heard a couple of these before, um, but if not, good. If so, uh, good. Sit back and listen again. All right. So number one, dude named Ken Jones pulled himself out of an avalanche. Um, actually, two avalanches. Uh, college student Ken Jones was attempting to climb Romania's highest mountain peak back in 2003 when he was buried in not one, but two avalanches. Um, uh, I'm not sure if he caused the first avalanche or not, but after being caught in the first avalanche, um, a peak above them uh, that was not affected by the original snow pass um, dropped a bunch more snow uh, after you know, the vibrations of the first avalanche uh, loosened some of the some of the snow caps. Um, so he was covered in two avalanches. Uh, he was able to clear a space for him to maneuver and breathe, dig himself out, crawl back down the mountain because he had a seriously injured leg and arm. Um, I think he I think it said he also had like a deflated lung or something like that. Uh, he was not doing well, um, but he crawled. He, he dug himself out. He crawled down the mountain, and then he hobbled ten miles to the nearest town uh, to get help. Um, the whole thing took him three and a half days, and he did it. He made it out, and uh, he was expected to never walk again. But ended up making a full recovery and started his own elite fitness company um, shortly after. Uh, however, I will say this wasn't just some civilian, some average dude. Uh, he was trained as an army paratrooper. Um, however, it said, according to this article, that he was a one-time army paratrooper. So he had only done one drop. Um, however, he had you know gone through the training required to do it. So he was a little bit tougher than your average Joe, I'd say. But still, incredible feat. Um... All right, number two, the Chilean miners. I'm sure plenty of you guys have heard about this. Happened back in 2010. Um, there were 33 miners trapped underground in Chile uh, of South America um, when a gold and copper mine collapsed, um, sealing them inside. The men kept their cool, waiting to be rescued. They set up their own water system, um, and bathroom, like with, I mean, not running water, but like with some sort of, you know, plumbing, um, designed in this mine shaft. Um, and they rationed all of their food and medicine, um, so that they actually made it out. They were down there for 69 days and every one of the 33 miners made it out alive. Um, but 69 days, guys, that's that's two, That's more than two months in this, like, very dark shaft. They made their own water system, plumbing system. They rationed the food that they had, and this is what their rationing took. Each of them, every 48 hours, got two spoonfuls of tuna, half of a glass of milk, and half of one small cookie every 48 hours that would suck man that would be terrible that little amount of food every 48 hours but it worked all of them survived um 
which is absolutely incredible. Thanks so much to all the men and women out there that dug those Chilean miners out. Uh, and great job, all you sports that were uh, trapped underground for 69 days there. That would have sucked. I admire you guys. Um, sorry, I'm trying to find the next one. Ah, here we go. Okay, number three. We have Julianne Kopecki, I believe is how it's pronounced, um, who fell out of an airplane at 10,000 feet and survived. So this is very similar to the stuff that we talked about last week, but this is another person that did it. Uh, and she was only 17 years old. Um, she was the only survivor of a 1971 plane crash above the Peruvian rainforest. The commercial airliner that she had been in was struck by lightning and broke into pieces two miles above the ground. Um, Kopecki fell out, still strapped to her seat, um, and landed with relatively minor injuries. Um, as a result of the seat breaking much of her landing, um, as well as trees and underbrush, um, padding a lot of the seat's landing. Um, being the only survivor, she followed a moving stream downriver for days to locate civilization. Uh, after nine days, she discovered a small shelter, and remaining inside, uh, she treated her bug bites with gasoline uh, until the lumbermen who had used the shelter arrived um, and were able to ferry her to safety. Uh, Kopecki then grew up to be a biologist. So... Sometimes when you fall out of a plane from 10,000 feet and survive in the Peruvian rainforests for uh, nine days without any sort of supplies or food or water, you find a deep and burning passion for studying biology. It happens every day, you guys. Next up, number four, we got Aaron Ralston. Um, if you guys have seen the movie... Uh, 127 Hours, uh, starring James Franco, love that guy, uh, you will know this story, um, but this happened to an American climber, Aaron Ralston, um, when he was pinned by an 800 pound boulder while climbing in Utah, um, after surviving for 127 hours, um, with no food, or water, I believe, or maybe he had a little bit of water, um, he actually had to saw through his own arm to unpin himself uh, using a pocket knife. Uh, like he, oh man, he had a multi-tool, so like a Swiss army knife with not even a saw, but just a normal like pocket knife blade. And he cut off his own arm using just that blade, was able to tourniquet himself, rappel down a cliff, and then walk miles with his arm chopped clean off to find the first person who could radio for rescuers who did, and he survived. Um, was released from the hospital a couple days later without an arm. Um, I mean, wow. Uh... Yeah, he had no food or water, couldn't call for help. He tied it off with a tourniquet, 
And then he cut it off, his arm. And then he climbed back through the canyon, rappelled down a cliff, walked six miles. And that's pretty wild. That is almost as crazy as the guy amped up on a whole squad's, a whole platoon's total doses of amphetamines who skied 200 miles back to his friendly lines along the way being injured by a landmine, killing 75 enemy soldiers, and surviving only on pine nuts and a sparrow that he caught with his bare hands. Um, I think that guy still might take the cake, but let's see what this last one is. Um, Harrison O'Keen. Harrison O'Keen lived in an air pocket trapped underwater for three days. Uh, trapped underwater in 2013, Nigerian sailor Harrison O'Keen survived in a four-square-foot air bubble for three days, longer than someone using an oxygen tank could have. When O'Keen's tugboat overturned, overturned in rough water, he and an air bubble became trapped in a toilet chamber. Um, he had no food or drinkable water and was submerged in chilling temperatures for days before South African divers stumbled upon the wreckage. Uh, they were shocked, of course, to find him alive at the bottom of the ocean in this little ship in this little air pocket with his head up in a toilet bowl of the ship. They found him still kicking, um, and he had to spend two days afterwards in a decompression chamber when he returned to the surface as a result of all of the pressure that had been building up in his body or that had been affecting things in his body, um, you know, pressurizing gas bubbles and whatnot, um, because he was down there for three days straight. Um, at the time, a diving instructor told a newspaper that a recreational diver would only be able to survive for 20 minutes at those depths. Um, but because he survived that long, um, he's considered something of a miracle man a miracle survivor um i mean i guess it makes sense you know as far as pressure goes if your body is exposed to the full force of all of that pressure um you wouldn't be able to survive very long and gas laws you know under that kind of pressure um i doubt that there, you could fit that much oxygen into a um into a tank so you wouldn't be able to last for you know very long with that oxygen, um, you know, as a result of partial gas laws. Um, as a biochem major, I'm learning about this stuff. Uh, so it kind of applies here, and it's a little bit interesting and cool <laughs> to see class content apply. Um, but yeah, so he because he was trapped in this ship in like a flipped over toilet imagine like an inverted toilet with his head up in there um to get that air pocket he survived for three days um i guess it yeah between the toilet and whatever tank the toilet went to must have had a decent amount of oxygen in there you know like surface air um still trapped in there i mean enough for a human to breathe on for three four days and the pressure didn't kill him because of the way the ship's architecture was um, absorbing uh, a lot of it. So, that's super interesting. You got people falling from the sky. You got people trapped in a toilet, like, I don't know, probably like 50 meters or so 
down um, at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, I got to tell you, of all the things that we've heard, I think that that would definitely be the most terrifying for me. Not only dealing with being in a shipwreck and sinking to the bottom of the ocean, but being trapped in the ship, sinking to the bottom of the ocean, feeling it impact the ocean floor, pitch blackness, I'm sure, at the bottom of the ocean with your head in a toilet for this tiny little air bubble, not knowing if it's going to last you, and somehow, somehow being down there for days straight, not giving up on life, and then actually making it out and being saved. That is completely bonkers to me. That's crazy. Kudos to that guy, Harrison O'Keen. Um, I think that's crazy, and it would take a lot of willpower to get through that. I mean, like, just imagining that is terrifying. But I'm still not sure if it takes the cake over that Dutch soldier with the skis and the rampage, amphetamine-induced rampage. I think that's kind of an unbeatable, like, war story, you know? Human feet story. Surviving only on pine nuts, birds you catch with your bare hands and eat alive. On skis, skiing 200 miles... And he was injured by a landmine in the first week. He was out there for two or three weeks, I think. Um, Like, wow. You know, just wow. Um, I don't have anything else written down here. I'm very close to my time. So I tell you what, I am just going to encourage any callers that want to call and talk about stuff, give any comments, um, talk about uh, maybe some crazy war stories or survival stories that you guys have heard. You don't need to know them in depth, you know. Feel free to call and just say, hey, I heard that this happened. Um, but because I have a couple extra minutes, I will just read the number one more time, give you guys a couple minutes. If nobody wants to call, it's totally fine. Uh, and then I'll just head out when it hits 9 o'clock because that is what we do in the radio biz. Um, in the meantime, oh wait, here's the number. 608 608- Seven eight five eight zero eight zero. That is six oh eight seven eight five eighty eighty. Alright. Um in the meantime I'm gonna see if I can find some jokes. Uh because jokes are always good. Um so I'm just gonna literally search online here some jokes. Hopefully some of these are um, you know safe for radio mm. I don't I don't understand that joke so I'm not going to read it out loud Um, okay, here's one. A robber pulled a gun on the bank clerk and manager, saying, Give me all the money. I need it to set myself up in a trade or profession. You know, initial investment is needed to cover the overheads until my cash flow is established. 
The bank manager said to the clerk, You'd better do what he says. I think he means business. Ha 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 ha. Get it? Because business. He used a bunch of business terminology, and then the manager said he means business. Um, okay, here's a number one. Why didn't four ask out five? Because he was two squared. <laughs> Math jokes, you guys. Two squared is four. Um, okay. I'm not going to tell a shooting joke over the air. Um, <laughs> okay. Why did the Star Wars movies come out in the order four, five, six, one, two, three? In charge of the sequence, Yoda was. Daddy, because Yoda does everything like kind of backwards. In charge of the sequence, Yoda was. You're welcome for that. <laughs> I hope it was a good Yoda impression. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, here's the last one. Her. She says this. What do you do? I say, I race cars. She says, do you win many races? I say, no, no, the cars are much faster. Nah, he races cars on foot. What a loser. All right, I think that does it for my time. Uh, it is 9 o'clock, so as always, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I will see you all next week. Um, yeah, and that's it. You dig?